0: Hey friends and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. In today's episode I'm going to be talking about what creative decisions affect budgets in VR. It's going to be a good one. I know that it might sound like quite a dry topic but honestly this is one of the biggest realizations I had when I was transitioning from more of just purely a creative role into someone that actually was like Uh, quite forward-facing, producing, especially when you start to work on your own projects, understanding what costs money and what decisions you make will affect budgets is actually super important. In fact, the reason that I want to do an episode about this today is because just the other week on a project that I'm working on at the moment, one creative decision cost production £35,000. So I'm going to be diving into all of this in this episode. If you've got a topic or something you want to ask, a question or just something that you'd like me to explore in future episodes, something that can bring value to you, like what is the problem? What are the challenges that you're facing right now? What are things that you want to understand more? Reach out to me and let me know because I would love to hear from you. Alex Makes VR on Instagram and Twitter. I also put out a really regular newsletter with all of my best advice and tips and tricks for business and creative stuff in the VR realm. So if you want to sign up for that, alexmakesvr.com is the place to go. So this is go- this first part of the episode is going to be annoyingly vague and I, I, I apologise up front, but I want to tell you this story in as vague a detail as possible just because I feel like it does illustrate just just how important this subject is. So let me take you back two weeks ago. I finished what I deem to be a really, really powerful script. I'm really excited about it. It's a commercial project. Uh, it's really NDA'd, hence why I can't get into details about it. But I'm really proud of this script. And everyone that's kind of involved with the project, everyone that's read the script, they too have been quite moved by it. It's, it's not just a kind of traditional um commercial drama, it's it's something that actually has like a point, it's a it's got a purpose, and dare I say, it's quite profound. <laughs> uh, okay, let me bring the ego down a couple of notches. So imagine my horror when after being so proud of this of this work, I get on a call to discuss the production side of things. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm on the call with the exec producers. And we work out that one little... And I can't... Again, I can't get into details, but I can't stress to you how tiny this detail is. In fact, it was, it was something that didn't really... It, it basically made the world more realistic. It made it feel more real, but it didn't really have any bearing on the story. This one decision I had made was going to cost production an extra 35,000 pounds one decision was and, and and in the scheme of things it was a very minute deci- like decision it was a very minute detail 35,000 pound this is why this subject is so important and it's important uh, it's important because i feel like you can't possibly be able to go into a shoot confident that you are going to bring value to every every kind of person on that um on that production bring value to your client cuz regardless of what you're doing whether it's photo 360 photos or high-end virtual reality training experiences or high-end like gameplay whatever it is like you can't possibly bring value, the best value possible, uh, and make sure that you are aligning and achieving the result that that piece is supposed to um, have, if you don't understand the implications of the creative decisions you're making. So normally, I get the argument from a lot of creative people saying, oh, but, you know, the director and the writer, they should just, you know, let them have their vision let them let them let you know the story is king like the let them have their creative decisions and vision and and let let production worry about making it possible now that is wonderful, what a beautiful what a lovely world to live in if that was the case, if every creative idea you had, every whim um and detail that you wanted to include you could because. You just had a production team and a production budget that was just infinite. But more often than not, for you and I, we will be constrained by budgets and especially if you're working in the B2B world the business to business where you are you are working for another organization that organization wants value for money even if they want something that is inspiring and profound and all of these things that i genuinely believe this piece that i'm working on is they they still don't want to pay 35 grand for something that realistically is, I mean, yes, it's going to make it feel a little bit more realistic, but really it doesn't have any bearing on what the piece is supposed to achieve. So when I think about when I direct and produce 360 pieces, some of the creative decisions that I think have impact on budgets kind of can be boiled down to three categories. And that is the location, the characters, and the actors. No, no, Nope, that's wrong. (laughs) But you know that this is a one-take show. So location, characters, which kind of is actors, uh, and action, that's what I meant to say. (laughs) Location, characters, and action. These are the three areas that you need to have in mind when you are making your creative decisions. Uh, Keep in mind how those things will affect budget. So for example, locations, if you're working um, with a client and they would really love, you know, oh, we want, um, we want this to feel extravagant. And in fact, let me give you an actual example, because that'll probably be more helpful. I remember when I first started working with uh, hospices to bring VR to hospice patients for that escapism, for that mindfulness benefit, I one of the things that they wanted was um, a VR experience of being on the beach because naturally, like when you are stuck in a hospital bed nearing the end of your life, the furthest thing from that is sitting on a beautiful, sunny, sandy beach listening to the waves. And if any of you have watched my um, TED Talk, like this is like the opening story that I tell. Um, and the truth is that for a while, I thought about like, oh, God, how am I gonna, you know, I want the m- most perfect beach in the world. Like, I want this to be like the most exotic, beautiful thing. You know, I want, I... Oh, could I, I don't know, like, could I, you know, go to, I don't know, Indonesia? Or could I go to the Seychelles or somewhere like where the beaches would be absolutely phenomenal. Just think about what the budget implications of that would be, you know, for myself, like, imagine how much I would have to spend to get over to those places to get what I thought in my head would be like, okay, well, that's the absolute dream scenario. And then I kind of reined it in. And I thought, what is this? What does this need to achieve? this needs to be a stunning, gorgeous beach on a beautiful summer's day. And as long as it's got that kind of like that, 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 um, for lack of a better term, that vibe to it, that Maldives, Indonesia, Australia, like just stunning beaches vibe, like, hmm, as long as it's got that, it's going to achieve its goal, right? Because anything is, is going to kind of be better than being in this hospital bed for this person, as long as it's what are the key things that I need. I need a summer's gorgeous blue sky, summer's day. I need a really clean, quite, um, quite empty, like not too busy beach with gorgeous gold sand. That's all I need. Okay, let me think what's going to work within my budget and my time frame because I don't have long to do this, um, and I don't, you know, I don't. Not that it wouldn't have been worth spending thousands to go over to the Seychelles to do it, but how can I do this that's really affordable? So, funnily enough, I was chatting about the project to my auntie who was like, Do you know, I know you've never been to Wales, but there's a stunning beach in Wales called Three Cliffs Bay. And you will not believe this beach, Alex. It looks like it's been plucked out of the Caribbean. So she showed me photos. And sure enough, in these photos, I was like, wow, like, I cannot believe that this is in the UK. That just blows my mind. Because I, I was never, um, my family never really did staycations when, um, when I was younger. Um, we never went to like Cornwall or anywhere like that. So I'd never really been to any decent UK beaches I'd only ever been to Skegness with the you know the kind of shackly beaches on a grey miserable day that's what I think of when I think of like English beaches but all of a sudden my auntie was presenting me with this option you know four hours down the road could get a cheap Airbnb and as long as I got it on a really beautiful day that would have done the job so I did it so sure enough that's where I filmed that piece for the hospice was going down to Wales uh, and and filming this scene on the most stunning blue sky day. And most people, when they watch that piece, the, the hospice patients, when they watch that, they don't really, they don't know. And they don't really care where it is because it does the job, right? And when they find out that it is in Wales, well, part of them is like blown away. Like, I, you know, if they've never been there before, that's really exciting. And then the other element of it that I hadn't really even considered was that, the fact that it is in the UK is actually even better for them because it's more sentimental. Some of them actually had been to that coast before and had like, they, they recognized the kind of area, um, which was even more special. And, and it made me think about that creative decision because what I thought was like this big, you know, oh, this is the big idea. This is the vision for this piece is like, what does paradise look like? But, Actually, when I scaled it back and considered the budget implications of things, funnily enough, it worked out that the creative decision I ended up making ended up being some people's idea of paradise and actually it achieved what it needed to achieve. So that's an example of like location being something to consider. How can you pick a location that achieves what you want it to achieve without breaking the bank? and this can also go for like things like dramas, like when I write my original scripts for myself, like my, my my dystopian dramas, like Bad News, for example, I wrote the first draft of that script, imagining that I had no budget, and that I could use only locations that I had access to. So I've got, you know, a friend that has access to a bookshop, I've got a friend that has access to, you know, music venues, like I've got I've got like my house and got my parents' house, my friend's house, like I've got, you know, a flat that I've got access to. I could potentially, I've got kind of a connect, loose connection with a gym. So I could potentially have a gym scene. Like, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm quite friendly with like the local pub owners. Like, so maybe I can kind of, you know, get to potentially use that like and it's so I'm starting to pull from being resourceful, thinking about all those people and all those places that I could probably have access to um for free if absolutely necessary. if I had no budget, I would still be able to make this project, and I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. I know that most people don't like to think like that as a creative, most people like to start big and then um you know cut things (laughs) for the budget and maybe that's right but my personal preference is actually you're more likely to get it funded in the first place if you make it super accessible and super realistic and again I'm talking about I'm talking about you out there that don't want to be pitching for years to get a project off the ground if you want to actually make this your day job if you want to actually be able to do this and be able to do it regularly and you don't want to spend months after months of begging people for money or trying to get the right fit, finding a production company that will take a chance on your idea or whatever it might be. This is absolutely an avenue that I preach because I think for so long we've been sold this myth that as a creative, you should be able to just be like, oh, have a vision, be a visionary. And, you know, and, and what will be will be. It's like, no, that's such bullshit. Like even, Mar- I feel like I've said this on a previous episode, but even Martin Scorsese, one of the best film directors of all time, has all of the, um, you know, the experience in the world of, of making huge amounts of money for uh, movie studios. Even he took like a decade to get his latest film funded because it was such a risk because it was so expensive to make and that is The Irishman on Netflix and I watched a roundtable with the commissioning editor at Netflix who took a chance on it and they said the reason we took a chance on it even though we knew that we weren't going to make any money off it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't we didn't make that decision for a financial one because financially it made no sense that's why no other movie studio touched it They did it because they wanted someone of Martin Scorsese's um, calibre on their platform because to have a Martin Scorsese Netflix original was worth it to them to be able to say, oh, look, we are heavyweights in this. So isn't that interesting? Even that was a business decision. Even the fact that movie studios wouldn't um, fund it, even though it's Martin Scorsese. The reason they didn't is because it's a business decision at the end of the day and they knew they couldn't make money back off of it. So just bear that in mind when you're being sold this myth about being creative and, you know, getting to um just do whatever you want in a script, especially if you're not the one funding it. So that's locations and I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but the other two just briefly, characters. So especially in 360, characters and action are kind of intertwined. The more characters you have in a scene, obviously, A, the more you're paying in terms of actor's fees, costume fees, makeup and wardrobe, transport, um, catering on set. You've also got a more moving parts. So when you work on a project that has, like we we, we did a project about uh, a year ago, and in one scene, there was about 30 extras. Um, Again, just to make a just to make the scene really realistic and to f- make it feel full and especially in 360 where it can sometimes feel quite bare um, if you've not got the money to have like you know beautiful set design because it's obviously it's not just a rectangle that you're now set dressing it's like the whole location needs to be perfectly dressed for the project uh, same thing goes with characters you know you how many how many characters do you need in the scene well if you've got 30 extras plus then the two main characters that are in that scene (laughs) how much money is that costing not only how much money is that costing how long is it going to take to get that scene because obviously again with with especially 360 um you don't have the luxury of of cutting between takes you can't use a little bit of take one and a little bit of take 10 because the dialogue in the first bit was great and the dialogue uh, in the second bit was better in the the 10th take no it has to be one take um of course if you depending on your uh directing style because if you wanted to naturally you could like cut in and out but then i would argue that that is a terrible idea and you probably shouldn't do that in 360 that feels like more like a traditional film why are you doing it in 360 if you want to do that so if you are doing it in 360 Having so many characters in a scene can be become really expensive because it's not just how many fees you're paying for all those actors to be there but it's also the amount of time that it takes to get that scene right. If in fact again similar story did a project where there was uh, I think it was 9 actors in a scene it was a it was about a 4 minute long scene 9 actors all had to perfectly deliver their lines, all in one take. And basically, <laughs> there was characters or actors like, you know, one actor slips up the line slightly, so we have to do the take again, and then another actor slightly fluffs it, or another actor forgets the line, or another actor comes in too early, or another actor forgets that they're on camera and they're, you know, picking their nose, or that didn't actually happen. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's all of a sudden, now, it's not just the fact that you're paying for nine peoples and all the stuff that comes along with them and their time. But all of a sudden, you've got a whole crew that you now need for at least half a day to like knock out that scene because it's so long and there's so many people involved that actually it's a really hard scene to get right. So that becomes a that becomes like a creative decision. And um, I wrote that <laughs> script <laughs> for that particular thing. And I do think in hindsight, I probably should have made the script... that opening scene a little bit shorter or have had less characters speak so maybe there's nine people in the scene but only three of them speak so that you've got less um less it's less likely that they'll mess up and we have to start over again or it's less people to have to be perfectly on point with everything because it's not even just if they mess up their lines it's if you don't like the delivery of those lines it's if the tone's slightly wrong if it's if those two actors aren't quite acting the right way against each other that's slightly wrong so all of a sudden all these things they start costing money in time and actually on that project we ended up having to pay actors overtime because um the, the scene went on It took so many takes to get the scene right that we ended up going over the scheduled hours. So it's these creative decisions that you need to be really careful of. So characters and actors, again, they kind of tie in together. I mean, those are just the, those are off the top of my head. You've also got things like if you're going to have some crazy, um, well, the joke is in 360, you don't even need the scene to be crazy for it to cost a lot. If you've got a scene in a car, for example, um, shooting a 360 scene in a car is an absolute pain in the ass. So you've got, you're racking up more post-production, um, time if you want that scene, especially if you want more people in that scene, especially if you want that, uh, person, uh, the po- person's point of view to be the driver. You've got all of these different things that you really have to consider because all of these things have consequences. If you want to do a scene um, and you want the camera to be moving whilst also have multiple actors in a scene, delivering lines at a certain time, in a certain place, at a certain time of night, that is such a specific scene. And in my head, like I can imagine how beautiful a scene like that might come together, but then I think... Is it worth the two days of rehearsal, the crew time for all of that, the, rehears- the tech rehearsal, the creating of the specialised rig to make that scene possible? Is it worth it? And for me, oftentimes, I say no, because we're so early on in VR that a lot of, a lot of the kind of trouble is, um, is with VR is that things cost stupid amounts of money, And then no one really sees them, not on the scale that something like, you know, if you create a little film and then you put some advertising budget behind it on Facebook or YouTube, potentially hundreds of thousands, millions of people can see it. So maybe that's justified. But when you're creating something for VR, or you're creating something for a business, or you're creating something that is naturally going to be seen by a lot less people because of the fact that it's being made in 360 or VR, it all of a sudden feels really quite narcissistic and just a bit pointless to be spending tens of thousands of pounds on a creative decision that realistically is not going to, um, is not going to, hmm, what am I trying to say here? I feel like you, I, do you get it? I feel like you get it. You, you, you listening right now, you, I'm sure you kind of get the point that I'm trying to make. It's, it just feels to me like stupid to to make creative decisions that cost tens of thousands of pounds when at the end of the day you know that the piece won't be seen by a huge amount of people and that's not to say that there aren't amazing creative pieces that art and you know they are um, regarded as pushing the boundaries and the reason they were made and the reason it was worth spending all that money was just to test a theory but oftentimes the pieces that those people are referring to I just think "Mm, you maybe could have achieved it on like a fifth of the budget though if you'd been like savvy if you'd really thought about what the point was and and what you were trying to communicate to an audience, I feel like maybe maybe you could have spent that money on actually distributing a project, marketing it, getting it out into the world, and this is the constant balance that we have to that we have to tread as creative entrepreneurs is because that's what we are, right even if you are a, a, a pure you know you you're not interested in the career and business stuff you're you're purely interested in the creative side of things even then this should be this should be front and center for you because we're not living in a world anymore where you know it's one out of a million filmmakers gets a shot and that studio then throws stupid amounts of money at it and stupid amounts of money at the marketing and voila, career made, we're living in a world where we're doing micro, everything is micro projects um, on what we would consider in the industry micro budgets. If you you consider that like a feature film is considered a micro budget right up until I think it's considered like 50 million, or maybe it's a little bit less than that, like 10 million, 20 million, that's still considered a micro budget feature, to my knowledge or I could be wrong, it could be like up to a million or something, but it's still a stupid amount of money. Like you and I might consider a micro budget to be like, you know, a hundred pound and a Greg sausage roll for everyone who's (laughs) taking part. Um, but I feel like we're all, I feel like the industry is calibrating differently now because of the age of user-generated content, because of the fact that everyone can be a filmmaker now because they've got the equipment in their pocket. Because of that, we are building the VR and 360 industry from that context. So we won't have the luxury of what the cinema pioneers had, which was like spending stupid amounts of money and time because you knew that at the end of the day, because there were so few things for people to entertain themselves with, something new and exciting like that could be like really like draw a crowd. Uh, And even then, I'm sure if you dive back into, um, the history of cinema, it would probably be that there were like, how many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people experimenting in the medium ended up leaving it because it was too expensive to sustain. Oh, I've gone on such a ramble here. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this point, which is not great for a podcast host. But I feel like the takeaway message is please, please, please understand the budget implications of your creative decisions because the truth is even in entertainment even if tomorrow Netflix launched a VR originals department and they were looking to commission it, commission stuff ultimately unless the person pitching it well even as we've seen even if they are more Martin Scorsese's kind of caliber um the final decision will always be made from a financial one. Why does, why does Netflix invest in certain shows and not others? It's because those shows bring people to the platform and people on the platform means they're paying subscription fees. It's a business at the end of the day. Even, you know, when we... The only stuff that... And even then, even like the, the arts and things like that, is, is still a, it's still a business... And I think if more creatives and more artists and more people that don't want to think about the business side of things, if more of them can open their mind and start to understand the other point of view, to think about what implications their creative decisions make, they'll probably get more stuff made, to be honest. So that's it. Those are my rambles. Those are my thoughts on the subject. Just had to get it out because it was front and centre after this discussion that I'd had with with the exec producers the other week. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that was helpful. If it was, please reach out and let me know. Um, Tell me about the projects that you're working on and maybe any creative decisions that you realise you've made now that would be completely financially unfeasible. I would love to hear those anecdotes. I would also love if you were already aware of this stuff and like tell me about sometimes that you have changed your creative decision to fit a budget. Let me know. Because I know also that the other side of this, just to quickly wrap this rant up, is that we creatives can sometimes get annoyed when we pitch stuff to clients and then they go, mm, yeah, but well, we'd rather just have a piece to camera, to be honest. Um, and we sometimes be like, oh, they just don't understand like a creative project. And don't get me wrong. You're the creative in the room. You're the one with the expertise. You should absolutely be leading those creative discussions. But what you need to connect the dots is that your creative vision clearly isn't aligning to the results that they want from the piece. So if you're pitching a marketing video for a dentist and you're pitching something that's so wildly amazing and awesome, but ultimately might be a little bit hit and miss. And they don't want to spend 10 grand on it. They want to spend two. And actually, the ROI of like <laughs> doing it, the, the difference between doing a two grand, a bit more basic, still creative, but a little bit more... Drawn in will probably have the same impact or only slightly less impact than that 10k really jazzy over the top out there idea. They're of course going to go for the 2k one because again, that's if I said to you, give me 10k, but I'm not confident I could get you know, it's a it's a gamble whether or not you'll get that 10k back. Would you do it? No. But if I said, okay, give me 2k and I'm 90% certain that you'll get 2k plus more back would you do it? Yes. So always try and think of things through the lens of the person funding it. If you're funding your own projects, always think about the creative decisions that you're making and how they impact the budget ahead of time because you're more likely to get your shit made. Okay, reach out to me on social media, Alex Makes VR on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up to my newsletter, please. I would love it. I love hearing from you guys. AlexMakesVR.com to sign up for that. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you took two seconds out of your day to follow and subscribe on the platform that you are listening on. And with that being said, I will speak to you very soon, my friend. Oh, that was a good ramble.